When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are accepting calls this hour from time travelers only. If you have traveled in time or you are presently a traveler to this time, then we want to hear from you. Otherwise, the phone lines are closed, but for that group, they are certainly open. Uh, with that in mind, uh, top of the morning to you on the wild card line. You are on the air. Hello. Hello. going on everybody welcome back to the infinite fringe how's everybody doing my name is billy ray valentine right here on truth frequency radio on iHeartRadio, on hackerhameen.podbeam.com and on the infinite fringe.podbeam.com greetings and blessings to each and every one of you the legendary jordan maxwell is here with us today but before i get him in to the conversation jimmy gene is sitting on the infinite fringe couch jimmy how are you bro i am Fantastic, Billy. Wow. Um, I'm super excited. You know, uh, I've been looking forward to this for a long time, and I can't wait to uh, to get into some conversation with Jordan because he is um, he is one of the original uh, people out here that really opened my eyes to what was going on behind the scenes, what was a lot of um, what people just take for granted today. Uh, Jordan was out there... Uh, pioneering trails he was blazing trails when people were still wondering what was going on so i'm really excited about the show today absolutely the ogs are the ogs mr jordan maxwell is here greetings and blessings welcome back to the infinite fringe sir how are you what is going on i think okay we'll find out soon enough (laughs) (laughs) we'll find out how i'm doing pretty quick oh i mean thank you for coming back i think we appreciate you and uh, every time you're on, it's always a fantastic conversation. Now, we figured what we would do is talk a little bit about Manly P. Hall since, uh, you know, you, you knew him well, fairly well. I mean, he, he was your teacher, was he not? Is that is that fair to say? Yep, that's fair to say. He was my teacher. And when he passed away, he left me all of his research on paper, all of his paper, uh, his journals, all of his research journals, all the way back to 1936, all the research journals back to 1936, when it first started, he left them all to me in his will. So I was really amazed at that, that Mr. Hall would do that for me, and uh, because we were very close, and he was my teacher. And uh, he's not the only one, but he was one of the most important ones. 
And uh, so I knew him well, and he was one of the greatest men I've ever known, I've ever heard of in, in, in any time in history. Uh, I have never seen anyone like him. I never met anyone like him. And there will, there will never be anyone like him. There was only one Manly P. Hall. And he was an extraordinarily interesting, fascinating, brilliant man. And I really appreciated everything he did. Now, how, so, how did you come about meeting him? How did, how did that happen? How did that connection happen? You know, I don't recall for sure how that happened. I don't recall. It was so long ago. Uh, I uh, Somehow or another, I happened to get a hold of a lecture of his, and I didn't know who he was at the time, and I was so impressed with the way he presented his material and how profoundly deep and penetrating the knowledge was that I started going over to his, uh, it was in Los Angeles, he had his own university. So I started going to his university on Sunday where he would have free lectures, and uh, that was quite an experience. The old man had a, a, a large audience every Sunday, and you go there, and uh, it was all on contributions. And uh, he would give a 90-minute lecture, but what was really interesting about his lectures, he would always start exactly on time and, and, and introduce the, the, the lecture brilliantly, and then for 90 minutes would explain everything in relation to his subject, and he would always end right on the 90 minutes. He would, somehow or another, he just did it every time. He'd go right up to the last moment on the 90 minutes and ended it perfect. It ended perfectly. And now today you can listen to those lectures on the web. You go on the web to uh, YouTube and type in Manly Hall and listen to his lectures and you tell me if it isn't the most impressive present, presentation of uh, esoteric wisdom that's ever been done by anyone. And he was an extraordinarily brilliant man. And I learned so much from him. And that's why I really appreciate everything he ever did. And I've always promoted him because he was an incredibly brilliant man. He never, ever uh, championed one religion. He never presented one religious belief at all. What he did was to explain all of the philosophical belief systems of the world all of the religious beliefs of the world and where they came from, where they originated, what they meant, and the correct understanding of what they were teaching. And then we let you decide whatever interested you. And, and if, it had, if you had a particular interest, he had more information on any one particular subject. So what he did was extraordinarily wonderful. He just educated the people of the world on what all the religions of the world taught and what they meant and what the words meant, and it gave you the background of where they came from, and then let you decide whatever you're interested in, and then he had plenty of lectures and books on whatever, whatever particular subject you were interested in.
and I gave him an award. I was able to give him an award in Pasadena uh, just before he passed away. I was able to give him an award that he had deserved for many years, and I wanted to do that, and I was so incredibly happy that I was able to do that for him. We, we had a big dinner and an awards dinner in which we were giving away, uh, it was the company I was with was called U.S. of A, United Sensitives of America. And we once a year would hold a big conference and a dinner and give away awards. And so I was, I was able to give him an award for his work. And, uh, and then, of course, as I said, when he passed away, he left me all of his journals. Go ahead, Jimmy. Jump in there. What, what do you have to ask, Jordan? Well, I mean, you know, Manly P. Hall, I've listened to many, many lectures of his on, on the Internet. I used to do a show on my channel called uh, Coffee with the Man in the morning, and I would play a Manly P. Hall lecture every morning while I drank my coffee before I got ready for my day. And... Um, so he he's been a very influential person in my life, but people don't really re, people don't realize how deep his research into these uh, into the brotherhoods, um, into secret societies throughout antiquity, um, just in every single way. Um, his his traveling around the world. Uh, I mean, a lot of people don't know he was super good looking young man. Uh, he had he had some uh, benefactors that uh you know <laughs> help sponsor him right jordan absolutely absolutely he had the uh, standard oil a lady who was a uh uh you know part of the family of standard oil she came in and she was really impressed with him like everybody else was and she put up the money for him to build his university for him to uh, to pay his employees, and he was able to really do some extraordinary teaching work because he had the backing of Standard Oil people who personally really loved his work and, and saw in him a very important mind and a very important, uh, you know, uh, what am I trying to say, a very important teacher. And so they financed him, and, and it was very fortunate for him because he, like me, uh, I have found that if you're going to be a teacher and you're going to uh, devote your life to the esoteric world and to teach people, it's going to cost you terribly. You're what happened? Do the things normal people do. You're going to be spending your whole life teaching people, and that's not going to make you anything. And so at 80 years old, I found out that you know I've studied all my life to be able to teach people, but it doesn't give me anything material. And so he had material people coming in to finance him, and he was able to build a beautiful operation called... PRS, Philosophical Research Society, kind of university in, in Los Angeles. And I used to go there every Sunday and hear his lectures. And and we became good friends. And I would go over to his home and 
and hang out with the, with him at home and his wife and and uh, and she was very very knowledgeable also. She was a authoress also, and uh, so like I said, unbelievably, when he passed away, he left me all of his intellectual work that he had produced all his life is left to me so i was very impressed with that incredible he must have thought very highly of you and, and you've definitely taken that ball and ran with it you've informed so many people of all the stuff that that uh that he taught you and you you spread it so you should be proud of that uh, now there's a lot of people that will say right and I, and, I, and uh i want your thoughts on it and what you you know how how you would answer those people that would say that that's all you know uh satanic information that uh you know you, you know it goes around people say that about manly p hall and the freemasons and all this other stuff i i, I don't believe that to be the case personally no but no. i mean there's a lot of people that do what would you tell them i would say that there is a satanic presence on the earth of that i have no problem with but mainly Palmer Hall was merely an expose. He was exposing where all the religions of the world come from. And when you do that, you're exposing all the philosophies, all the ideas from the East and West. And when you do that, people don't like that because they're afraid when you start explaining where their ideas have come from and begin to see that their ideas were formulated by people before before them and and how they have, have been misled and confused and so most people will immediately uh, you know fire back and say that you are satanic or demonic or whatever because you're a great teacher and so I have found that that, that happens if you are if you're a really effective teacher and people are listening to you all over the world. You will have many, many fans and many people who appreciate what you're doing as educating them. But you will also have on the other side people who are scared to death to hear the truth about where their ideas have come from. And when I found out about Christianity, he helped me to understand about Christianity and uh, and the way it happened as he asked me the question, who owns the sun? Because the sun is very important. Well, who owns it? That's the key question to understanding Christianity. So when you say, well, there's nobody on the earth owns the sun. Who, who would you say owns the sun? Well, if you're philosophical or religious, you might want to say possibly God owns the sun, maybe. That sounds about normal. So we could say God owns the sun. Okay, if God owns the sun, then we could say then that this is God's son. And God's son is our risen savior. Of course, the sun is your risen savior. Because if it don't rise, we're dead in three weeks because it's going to get awful cold here on the earth and we're going to be under a mile of ice on the earth, period. So there will be no life anywhere. Without the sun, there's no food, there's no reproduction, there's no animals, there's nothing. Without the sun, we are nothing but a frozen ball of ice 
And so therefore, the Son is your, rose, is your risen Savior. And, <clears throat> and so he has 12 helpers. He has 12 months of the year. 12 months of the year help God's Son to distribute the light. So therefore, we have 12 helpers of the 12 apostles. And this is the same 12 of the 12 brothers of Joseph, the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 great major prophets, the 12 minor prophets, all of the 12, always in the Bible is just completely, everything's based on 12. Why? Because the sun and the 12 months of the year, the sun and the 12. And each one of the 12 months is, is noted with a particular constellation of the zodiac, the 12 signs of the zodiac. And so, therefore, you begin to see how Christianity would develop over the years. The sun is your risen savior, and it, and it does rise every morning, and he said he would come back. And there's a whole story built into the life of the sun in relation to the humans on the earth. We have four seasons. That's why you have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John spring, summer, autumn, winter. And you have four, and you have four suns, you have your four times that the sun is dominant on the earth with the four, uh, you know, with the four seasons. And <clears throat> when you start to break down the whole of Christianity, you begin to see that it is based on sun worship. And so is Judaism. Judaism is the most eclectic religion on the earth, in my opinion. I've been looking at theology all my life, and I, <clears throat> I could tell you an incident that happened to me, uh, an experience when I was like about nine years old, and I was raised in the Catholic religion. My family were all Catholic, and we were in the Catholic school, and when you're about nine years old in the Catholic Church, you have some, you have a special uh, religious observance for children, and it's called confirmation. And so, the confirmation class is when the bishop will will be at the church, and he will be confirming all of the children to be uh, Catholic, and you'll be confirmed to be Catholic. It's called confirmation. And so we were told by the nuns at the school, as a nine-year-old, I was told, uh, we were told, that uh, tomorrow night at the church, when the service for you children will be tomorrow night, it's called confirmation, perhaps, maybe, the, 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 bishop, the bishop will be here for sure, but he might ask you children after the service is over, he may poss possibly ask you children if you have any questions about your beliefs uh, as Catholics, and he will try and answer them. Now, if he does ask you that, remember, you don't have any questions. You don't ask any questions, period. And so the next night after the service was over, sure enough, the bishop asked the children, if you have any questions, I'll try and answer them. I stood up. I stood up and raised my hand. I didn't have to stand up. I wanted to stand up so everybody in the church could see who I am. 
because my mother don't tell me what questions I can ask. Nobody tells me what questions I can ask. I stand up and said to the bishop, yes, I have a question. I said, my father works with torches like a welder. And I said, and he lets me play with the torches once in a while and has taught me how to work with the torches. And I know that they can be very dangerous. And I said, if I were holding a torch and it was on fire and an angel would appear to me, because the Bible says angels appear to people once in a while. And I said, if an angel appeared to me and I was holding a torch, could I burn him? Would it hurt him if I, if I hit him with the torch? And he said, no. And I said, why not? He said, because angels are spirits. And you can't burn a spirit. And I said, why not? He said, well, you can't even see a spirit unless it wants you to see it. It appears to you. But you can't even see a spirit. So there's nothing there to burn. So I said, why can't you burn a spirit? He said, because fire requires something physical like wood, paper, plastic, rubber, something that can burn, but you can't burn a spirit. And I said, why not? And he said, because a spirit cannot be burned. You can't burn a spirit. And I said, well, then why am I concerned about going to hell when my spirit will burn forever <laughs> if you can't burn a spirit? <laughs> and he looked at me like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> Never heard anything so stupid as a little <laughs> nine-year-old kid asking him a logical, intelligent question. Yeah. And everybody in church looked at me, and I, that's why I stood up. I wanted to make a point. And I stood up, and there was a priest standing next to me. He said, you sit down and shut up. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, okay, I got it. I understand. <clears throat> so I started dropping Alka-Seltzer in the holy water every Sunday. And it scared everybody to death. They thought Jesus was coming back. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. And Good, so finish up, I'm sorry. <laughs> I began to understand, I began to realize that adults do not know, period, zero anything. They're just hear somebody's opinion, and they pass that on. And then I learned, as I was growing up, that, no child in school likes to be fun, make, be made fun of in front of the class. When you know, if you don't do your homework and the and the teacher calls upon you to go up to the blackboard and work out a problem for the class to see, and you don't know how to work the problem out, everyone's going to laugh at you because you didn't do your homework and you're acting and you look like a fool. No child wants to be laughed at by his fellow citizens. And so no adult wants to be laughed at, mocked and laughed at because of being ignorant. That's why religions work, because people don't want to be laughed at and mocked and, and, and left out of the group. And so because everybody happens to be believing something, that means you should believe it also. Because if you don't believe it, they're going to be mocking and laughing at you and you're no longer going to have any friends. And so most people can't handle that. They don't want to travel through life on their own. They want to have all the friends love them and and accept them. So they will accept whatever you believe is what I believe. And therefore, there's no problem because everybody will, will, will love you because you are like them.
You're just as ignorant and ill-informed and ill and stupid as they are. And so they like you. You drink beer with them. You go to the ball game. You like them. You just you do everything they do, so they like you. And they vote on you, and they promote you, and they like you. Sounds but if you reason. stand up for truth, nobody's going to like you. Yeah, it's tough. Jimmy, and go ahead, man. Period. And that's why in the movie, remember what... Uh, Few good men. <laughs> when uh, Tom Cruise, as a young attorney, was badgering the witness, <clears throat> and he's and the witness said, "What do you want from me?" And the, and he says, "I want the truth." He said, "You can't handle the truth." Well, boy, I found that out. I found out most people can't handle the truth. They don't want the truth. They want to hear what they want to hear, and therefore that's why we have something called con men. They con you into believing that they are your friend, and they tell you what you want to hear, and therefore you will pay them money and support them and finance them. And so they're called con men, and that's what gives us our constitution. <laughs> they, con, yeah, they, con, they con you into believing that you're free, and they give you this idea that you're free and you have liberty and justice and all that. It's a con the con is is help helping you to believe something that's not true. <clears throat> Go ahead, Jimmy. And so when you find when you finally wake up, you're gonna find out you're on this earth by yourself. Nobody wants to hear you. Nobody's gonna be happy to hear you, and you're gonna be on the outside. Well, that's where I wanna be is on the outside. I want people to know who I am or what I'm doing and that I don't buy into the political or the religious systems of this world. I happen to like the idea of reading and studying and inquisiting, inquiring where things have come from. And the more I do that, the more I find out all the lies that have been passed down to me and I just bought into them as a kid. Why? Because I came into the world as a baby. Like Rodney Dangerfield said, I got my start in life as a child. <laughs> and I started on the bottom and I worked my way down from there. <laughs> so that's what's happening for me in my life is I have confronted the human civilization around me. And I have discovered that virtually everything on this earth that we have told as positive truth is a lie, is deception. So once I confronted the church, then I confronted government. Now I'm confronting the whole world. The whole world is based on lies and deception. And that's why it don't work. That's why there's so much bloodshed and violence and, and revolutionary thinking in the world and the young people rising up against their, their parents and adults like us are rebelling against the system that we live under. Why? Because it's all based on lies. There's no truth in it at all. So yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, no, you, and, and we know you do it. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, why, uh, that's why we ask you to come on as often as, as we do. And, uh, you know, you, you were a teacher to all of us in, 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 in a lot of ways. I remember first coming into your your material and blown away. And still to this day, you know, a lot of the stuff that you put out, it's just like, wow, what is, what is this? And, and why wasn't I told this before? 
And how do I find out more? <laughs> right? It just like feeds the appetite. Jimmy, come on, get in here, man. Yeah, let awesome. me let me say this. I would not I would suggest that no one do anything. I will repeat it. No one should do anything about something I say. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not professing to be an attorney. I am only telling you what the actual facts of life are. And therefore, I'm not suggesting you do anything about it. What I would like for people to do is at least educate yourself. This is what we as adults are supposed to do. We're supposed to know more than the children. Educate yourself as to how the world really works. And when you do, you begin to see little things start popping up. And the more you look at those little things that are lies and deception, you begin to see that the whole world has been deceived. Why? Because you, as when you came in, you were born, you came in the last two minutes of the movie. It's been a two and a half hour move, major movie. And you came in in the last two minutes. You've just been born and you finally come into the world. And now you are looking at the whole world from the last two minutes of the movie. You don't know what it's about. You don't know who produced it, who directed it, where the money came from. You don't understand none of it. All you know is you're sitting there and you're taking it in. And therefore, you're understanding what you should do and what you should think and how you should act. And so that's why you are now going to promote what you've learned among your family, among the people of the world. And before you know it, everybody else is going to be like you, what they've learned and what they've known. They have no idea in the world that all this has been produced, financed, organized, and directed by people who want to make you a slave. And that's what America was all about, is telling the rest of the world, no, no more crap here. From here on out, we are declaring ourselves free and independent people. And we have our own ideas and we will have our own freedoms and nobody's going to tell us what to do. And that's why the church found that it was, it was decided by the church back in the 1300s to be a total enemy of any concept that would free the minds of the people. The church is not interested in people being free. You be in subjection to the powers that be. That's why the church and the state have always worked together. Church and state have always been working together. The the president and the, and the head of the government represents God. You don't think so? You mess with him and find out. He represents the divine presence on the earth for God. And this is why America is the new Roman Empire. We are Rome. Because if you go back in the history books, you will see Rome, the Roman Empire was ruled by Caesar. Well, we have Caesars today. They're called czars, Caesars. And so the czar of the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the different departments of government, you have czars. They all think of themselves as Caesars. And then you finally, you finally find out that you have to agree to their position as Caesar. But the history books will tell you that the Roman Empire was ruled from Rome 
on a particular hill. Uh, it was Caesar's, the Senate for the, the the Roman people was on a, on a hill in Rome called Capitoline Hill. Well, we still today have a Capitol Hill. And it was said in the history books, you read it in the history books, it says Caesar each morning would go, quote, up on the hill. Well, we hear that kind of crap every night, you know, on, on NBC, on CBS. Well, up on the hill, Caesar said today, and the president said this, up on the hill. Up on what hill? Capitol Hill. Well, that's where Caesar ruled Rome from, Capitol Hill. And, and how did he rule Rome? He was in charge of the Senate, the Roman Senate. Well, that's what we have. We have a Senate up on the hill. We are the new Roman Empire. And if you go back to when Rome left Europe, when Caesar had taken over all of Europe, the only thing left was Britannia, Britain. And so he crossed over the water and went into Britain, into England. And when Caesar did that, he set up his government of Rome in a place called York, England. That's where Rome directed the affairs of England from York, England. Well, today we have Caesar in New York, which is a New England. It's back in New England, New York. And so the, today we have New York, which is the center for the Roman Empire. And what was it Caesar wanted more than anything in the world? And that was to collect the whole world under Caesar so he would be a god among men to collect the whole world. Well, that's what we've done in New York. We have a United Nations, which has the Roman Reef, right. the Reef of Rome. And the United Nations is Caesar grabbing up a whole world to run the world from the New York, from the New Empire State. And that's what New York is called, the Empire State. So I see what's going on. There is a there is a move on the earth by the most powerful people who are mentally deranged and are mentally deranged criminals who want power. And that's the one thing you cannot give a criminal is power because they want more and more and more. And so we know power corrupts. And one English philosopher said an absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so that's why we have the wars and violence and gang wars and alcoholism and drug addiction and killings and murders and rapes. All of this is because we want more power. We want the power. And so that's why we are in the world that we're in today because it's a power trip. And we are all going down, all human races going down the tubes. And America is helping everyone to crawl on their knees and, and, and prepare themselves for something called a new world order. And the new world order is nothing more than a Jesuit, Catholic Jesuit system of taking all the freedoms and liberties and, and all of the important things that mankind needs, taking all that away 
so that humans will no longer have any freedom, no, no justification, no freedom to do anything, to learn anything, and to assert themselves to do anything, because the Catholic Church will dis- demand that the government make sure that the people stay in what is called uh, uh, the people need to be in compliance. You need to be in compliance to what the government tells you. And therefore, you're not free. I remember my friend Dick Gregory used to say, we used to, we would be called the land of the free and the home of the brave, but you're not free or brave. If you were brave, you had done something about the Federal Reserve a long time ago. And if you were free, you would get an education and do something about your, your life. But you're not free and you're not brave. You never have been free or brave. Hey, and so that's what I try and do. I try and incite people to question their surroundings, question their government, their religion, question the whole basis of political power, period. Question all of it. Start with your mom and dad. Start with your church. Start with your neighbors who don't butt from a hole in the ground. Everybody thinks that they are an, uh, they are an authority on anything and everything. They they're not an authority. They have an opinion. I don't care about people's opinions. I want to know some facts. I want to know the truth. I'm not interested in hearing what religion you happen to be born into, because that's all it is. Your belief system is something you were born into. Hey Jordan, can you explain? Um, maybe for us, because you hear a lot of people talking about Satan this, Satan that, Satan, Satan, Satan all over the place. And then there's also <laughs> Lucifer. And so, and, you know, I think people, people fear illumination for some reason. Um, and, and Lucifer is called the illuminated one. And, and there's a lot of correlations between some of the descriptions of Jesus and also the descriptions of Lucifer. Can you maybe explain a little bit about the difference in the way these these two characters uh, portray us? You know, yeah. One of the great Greek philosophers, Plato, said he said, "I can understand how a child is afraid of the dark. I understand that, but what I don't understand is adults are afraid of the light." Adults are frightened to death of, of being enlightened and educated. Children are afraid of the dark. Adults are afraid of the light. And so when you read the Bible, most people don't know how to read the Bible. They don't know what the words mean. It doesn't say the things you think it says. But in point of fact, one thing the Bible does say, it's in the book of Revelation, on the last book of the Bible, on the last page of the Bible. The last final page of the of the Bible is in Revelation 22, and the scripture is 16. In Revelation 22:16, Jesus Christ, Jesus said, "I, Jesus, I am the offspring of David, and I am the bright morning star." Look up the word bright morning star in a biblical dictionary it will tell you the bright morning star is lucifer there in revelation 22 16 jesus said i am lucifer well we're told lucifer is the devil that's what i said i am lucifer 
I am the one that's bringing light into the world that you don't want to hear. You don't, you're not very comfortable, comfortable with what I'm doing. I'm exposing the truth. So I am Lucifer. I'm the one that's bringing light into the world. And again, that's what the sun does. It's God's son, the light of the world. And we say Jesus is the light of the world. Well, of course, Jesus is nothing more than the sun worship of the ancient, ancient world. And so that's why we say God's son is our risen savior. He's the light of the world. And so the sun lights up your mind. The sun is actually a light that not only lights up your world so you can see what you're doing from day to day, but it also symbolically is a light inside of your head. So when somebody who is brilliant, a word used for light, someone who is brilliant, and they are explaining something to you, and you finally see it. The way that particular person explained it, you finally get the point. And then you say, oh, it just dawned on me. It just dawned on me what you're talking about. What do you mean dawned on you? <laughs> that means the light just came in my, my dark brain, my dark yeah. mind. I've been living my whole life as an ignorant in the dark, I've been bumping into things because I can't see anything. I don't know anything. I don't read anything. I don't know anything. But this guy finally brought some light into my head, and it just dawned on me what he's talking about. Well, that's exactly what the Spirit is saying about God's Son, the light of the world. Jesus, is, Jesus represents a spiritual enlightenment. And this is the one thing the church and governments and, and politicians do not want, is you learning too much. You need to just drink your beer and watch your basketball. Don't, don't go asking any questions. Don't go thinking too much. Because when you think too much, your fellow humans, well, they'll start thinking. And then when they start thinking, we, the politicians and criminals of the world, have got some serious problems. Because we're going to have to answer millions and millions of the poor people in the street. And we made them poor by, by ripping them off. And now we're going to have to answer to the, those masses of people. And that's dangerous. And so we don't want people like you thinking too much, and especially going out and talking in public and thinking too much because you cause people to start thinking. And obviously from thinking people comes revolution. And so that's why I think what is needed on this earth is a spiritual renaissance, a spiritual revolution, because that's what the renaissance was, a spiritual enlightenment in the world. When all of a sudden people are waking up and saying, wait a minute, why is the queen, why do we have a queen who rides around in a gold chariot and gives everybody the finger and flips her ashes and flips her cigarette ashes on, on us? and gives us the finger as she rides around in, on her gold chariot, and we have to work all day to pay our rent and stay alive. She doesn't have to do anything but just own everything. Why? Because she's queen. Who said she's queen? She did. She said she's queen, and we, and we go along with whatever we're told. That's what we do as humans. We just go along to get along. Whatever we're told, that's what we believe. Right, 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 man. And, and we touched on some of the Lucifer Jesus connections and Lucifer and Satan on past episodes with Jordan. If you guys want to get a, a little deeper and a little more information, just go dig into the annals, into the archives. 
of the Infinite Fringe, you'll find Jordan Maxwell there really breaking that down. And, you know, we spoke about uh, uh, Jew Zeus, uh, Jupiter Zeus, and um, and uh, how Jesus, actually, you left that as, as a cliffhanger at one point. Or you, you asked me, who is Jesus? And <laughs> we didn't speak about it till about, I don't know, like four or five months later, and I went and looked it up and, uh, you know, and... Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Genesis 1, the first chapter, first one or two chapters of Genesis tells the whole story, but it's been mis purposely misrepresented to us. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and 3 and 4, the first few chapters of Genesis were purposely mistranslated for us. And, and therefore, we start off in our religious belief systems, totally wrong, because we've been misled purposely. Genesis 1, the first chapter, does not say what you think it's saying. It's been mistranslated, because the people who translated the King James Bible into English were excellent on the King's English. They weren't that hot on ancient Greek and Hebrew. So they made some misrepresentations, they made some mis mistakes, and when it was pointed out to them, the church and King James said, leave it alone. And that's what I want. I'm authorizing that addition. So therefore we become the Bible, it becomes the authorized version. King James authorized you to read that. He didn't authorize you to go sticking your nose in the things you don't belong to you. He didn't authorize you to do any research into the words and the terms and where it came from. He, he authorized that interpretation. And you read that interpretation or your head gets cut off. And that's why there was a revolution in Europe. It was called the Reformation, where the Christianity was to be reformed and to give the people the, the scriptures so they could read and begin to open up your minds and question the religion of the king. Who the hell said he was a king? And where did he get off talk calling himself king? I mean, you could do the same thing. You could go out and tell the people of the world, you're a king, and you've been put here by God. And who knows, probably they would, evict, they would finally let you be king. Because you told them you were. That's that's all they need to know. Is all they need to hear is that they is that you said you were king, and therefore we'll believe it, and we'll buy into it, and therefore one day we'll all get drunk and wake up one day and find out that you were just a lying criminal and you weren't king, <laughs> and you've been using us, and and that's and then you finally wake up and find out that's the world you live in. You've been bought, you bought into all the lies. Why? Because you were born into this world as a baby and grew up believing whatever it is you were told to believe. And so that's where we get all the different ideas because people were born in different countries. They're born in different places. If you were born in Africa, you would have an African viewpoint of the whole world. But if you were born in Russia by chance, well, then you'd have a Russian viewpoint of the world around you. If you happen to be born in Alaska, you would have the Alaskan viewpoint of the whole world. Just depends on where you were born. If you were born in China, you would have a Chinese viewpoint about the world. And so now, the reason, 
why we have so many different ideas and political system is because that's why you happen to be born. And now with, I mean, the way they've scientifically developed these 120 months, uh, marketing programs where they basically design and develop the minds of the young people through the social media, through the electronics, um, They've taken what you're talking about and turned it into a scientific process that has us all walking around like Pavlov's dog, wouldn't you say, Jordan? But it works. But that proves it works, doesn't it? Yeah, and I mean, it's it's what's called uh, an agreement reality, right? That's right. Uh, We agree upon it. Yeah, you and I agree. You and I and Billy, we agree there's a new world order. (laughs) All right. Uh, I like what, uh, who was that, uh, that, uh, guy in history, uh, oh, what was his name, the king, anyway, and, and the French, the French king said something to the effect that reality are the lies that we've all agreed upon, that is reality, it was, it, what we all understand as reality is really a bunch of lies that we've all agreed upon. And so that's why we can all understand history. But everywhere you go, the history is different. Depending on who won the war, we'll decide what the history of, of, the, of the war was, and then they will promote the history. And when you're born, your baby, you're born into that system, and therefore you grow up in their schools and you read their history. And then one day you now are finally, as an adult, you know what the whole world is all about. No, you just read the history of the people who were the... Uh, the victors in the war, and they wrote the books for you to read. And so I learned a long time ago: you better go back and do some homework because you don't have the truth. And you're gonna and, and you're gonna end up when if if there is a life after after death, if there is some kind of an existence we have after we die, I don't know. But if there is, you're gonna wake up to a, a whole reality you never knew existed. And you're going to find out you, while on earth, were nothing more than a victim, a victim of criminals who filled your head with all kinds of stupid stuff and ideologies which are based on money and corruption, crime. It's an incredible world that we live in because so many tricks are being played on us. Let me give you an example, one small example of how we are being manipulated so people can understand. Again, I'm not suggesting you do anything about it. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just telling you a small example of how you are misled by something called the legal system, not lawful, legal. If a cop stops you and you're driving down the highway and the cop pulls you over with his lights and his siren, he pulls you over he comes up to the car, and he and he and you have to show him your license and your registration and all that. Well, he's writing out a ticket. Keep in mind, it's his ticket, not yours. He's writing out the ticket. It's in his hands. Then he signs it. 
then he hands it to you and you sign it and now you're expected to pay the ticket. You are an undersigner. You are a co-signer. And a ticket in commerce. Commerce is business and this is a piece of business. And so you are a co-signer in uh, a ticket. Well, if I go to the, the car salesman to, with you to buy a car and you don't have the money or you may not be able to pay for it, and you ask me to co-sign for you, if I co-sign, that means I'm responsible to pay for the car, period. End of sentence. If you don't pay for it, I have to. Why? Because I co-signed. Well, in point of fact, in law, the cop signed the ticket. You are the co-signer. And if you take that ticket, photocopy it, and go to a lawyer and fill out an, uh, an affidavit saying that you made a mistake, you didn't mean to co-sign for something that you didn't own, and you take it and send it to the Secretary of State in the state in which you live and say to the Secretary of State, would you please remove my name from this co-signing because I didn't realize I co-signed for something I don't want to co-sign for. The Secretary of State will then send that to the Department of the Treasury in the state in which you live, and the state treasurer will send the bill to the cop. Now, he has to pay it. Why? Because he's the one that had the ticket and he signed it. You were the co-signer. And now the cop has to pay the ticket, not you. Incredibly like interesting, that? man. Wow, that's that's, that's incredible. Uh, I think what you mentioned before, uh, I, I looked it up, Napoleon Bonaparte says, history is uh, a set of lies agreed upon. And we also have Frederick Nietzsche that says, uh, what is the truth but a, lie agree, but a lie agreed upon? So that's pretty much what you were talking about <laughs> overall there. I want to talk yeah, about the Kabbalah. I want to get your thoughts on the Kabbalah before we get out of here. Jimmy, if you got something, ask him now, and then we'll go back to the Kabbalah, and then we'll leave. Go ahead, man. Well, now, yeah, the only thing I wanted to ask you, Jordan, is is I heard that Manly P. Hall had left you some books, and one of the books he left you is one of those uh, triangle books. Is that true, or is that just a real? No, 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 that triangle book, <laughs> from what I have heard from him, Mr. Hall, that was one of the most important books ever written on the face of the earth, ever. Hmm. And he had a copy of it because a very powerful man in very high places in this world owned it. And he gave it to Mr. Hall because of his appreciation. Mr. Hall said that book was so incredibly, uh, well, uh, so incredibly expensive and important that nobody on the earth had a copy. And it was it was never to be given to anybody, but he had a copy of it, and he would never give it to anyone, including me. But he gave me his journals, what the uh, PRS journals, Philosophical Research Society journals, which every couple of months uh, the journals would come out with Manly P. Hall's research and work written down for everyone to read. And every, every month or so, it would come out, sometimes it's every quarter. But every so often, each year, the Philosophical Research Society would release a little booklet with all of Manly P. Hall's work for that, for that period of time. 
And so when he passed away, he left that whole set to me. Wow. And I, and I, and I, I got a phone call. I was in San Diego. And I was working for a company called The Truth Seeker. I was the religious editor for Truth Seeker. And I got a phone call from the uh, from the president of the research society in, in Los Angeles. And he said, Mr. Hall left you something in his will. And I said, me? He said, yes, he left you something very important. You need to come pick it up here. And I said, what was it? He said, I'm not going to tell you. You mm-hmm. just come here and pick it up. So I drove up immediately that day, that very day I drove up to Los Angeles from San Diego. And I went to the PRS, and they had like five big boxes of booklets all the way back to 1936 with the very first one. Say it again. I said, wow. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It was big cases of books. All of his research journals were left to me. It was incredible, and I was just amazed. I mean, I loved him so much. I loved listening to him, and I I was promoting him all the time. I was always promoting him, and he knew it. I was promoting him on radio and television, and a lot of people listened to Manly Pree Hall, and he was such a wonderful teacher. You can still, I I put a lot of stuff out there myself, on YouTube. So if you go on YouTube and type in Manly, M-A-N-L-Y-P, Hall, H-A-L-L, and listen to his lectures and read his books, if they're not the most astounding, brilliantly written, it's an incredible, the, the, the level of, of academic superiority that he showed in his books. It was just an incredibly beautiful written books explaining everything about the life we live and nobody seems to know anything about it and that's why we're all acting crazy today because we've lost our country we've lost our freedom we've lost our industry the only thing left to lose now is your mind so now we've lost our mind and we're now killing each other raping our children and killing uh, our fellow man and beating our wives and all the others uh, stupid things that we as humans do and we're beating our children and causing them to go on drugs and promoting drug addiction among the people of the world and we are financing their destruction by wars and violence and revolution Mr. Hall had the answer to all of it very simple educate yourself Wow. Start learning where things come from and what the symbols mean. He's the one that got me started on the symbol. Educate yourself as to what the symbols mean. You see Christians wearing crosses. What does a cross mean? Boy, when you go into the background of the symbols of religion around the world, it will shock you. You have no idea in the world what these symbols really mean. It will knock you out when you finally out when you finally see it. And they try to take they try to take and and um, and com, you know conflagrate all these people together. And and when you when you talk about Manly P Hall's work, there's people like Blavatsky and these different people that are around that have bad reputations. And because they speak of the same sort of esoteric information that Manly was the one 
doing the research on i think on a lot of these he was the the original person who brought it to the table but for some reason he gets classified as one of these devil worshiping um and, and i just don't <laughs> see it to be true i think to me to me he what he opened my eyes to was the hindu religion and the supreme path and and i really appreciated his work on that I was going to say, that's the same thing I've had to live with. So many people that I've tried to help to educate have then said the same things about me, that I am demonic, I'm serving the devil, and that's all from people who are not fit to tie my shoes intellectually. I've spent my whole life reading and studying theology with the masters. I've studied with the best of the best, and I've read the best and I've inquired of the most important people in the world on the mastery of theology and religion and philosophy, and now I'm the one who's worshiping the devil. And so why? Because I know things that other people don't want to know, and I'm causing people to question the veracity of their belief systems, and which means I'm questioning the whole of Western civilization. The whole thing is a lie. It's been misled. We've been misled, and that's why we have something called a constitution. Hmm. I read a book many years ago, The Con in the Constitution, and how the Constitution was a con job on all of us. Wow. We're think, not free. I think your work has been shattering the agreement reality for a long time, Jordan. Um, you have brought to the table and gotten to places where even Manly P. Hall, with all his work, and on some levels, you've gotten um, further in in the ability to get the same type of uh, teachings out to people. And um, I just want to really thank you so much for your work, and uh, thank you again. Um, is there some place where uh, people can go? Because I know you had some issues with your. With your website and stuff, is there a place where people can go to check out uh, what you got going on? Yeah, yeah. Go to Jordan Maxwell Show. S H O W. You don't get to me unless you add that word show. My name is Jordan, like the Jordan River. J O R D A N. Jordan. Maxwell, M-A-X-W-E-L-L, jordanmaxwellshow.com is my website. There are other websites out there you will see that have my name on them, buying and selling, uh, selling my videos and my books. They don't belong to me. People have taken my name and my videos and my books and are selling them to make money off of me. Because my name sells, because people know about me, because I've spent my whole life out there on the road uh, trying to educate people, and so the world has come to know about me. Well, there are people out there who want to make money off the old man. Me, I'm not making anything. I live in one little room by myself, and this is where I live, is in one room with nothing. But there are other people out there who are unscrupulous. They want to make as much money off of Jordan Maxwell's name and his work as possible and rip him off and take it all. And so I don't have any money to fight. I don't have any money to pay lawyers or to fight anything. And so I just let them steal it. 
Go on, steal everything, take it all, because I believe that one day what goes around comes around. And my day will come when people realize that all of my work has been misused by other people and sold and made money off of it. And I didn't make a thing. I, I was born a, a pauper and I die a pauper with nothing. The other thing is, too, it's not just a matter of them stealing your, your website and everything and stealing all that work that was all the things that you put together. But people, uh, you know, steal your work and don't give you credit for it by running around saying things that they learned from you, but never even just saying, you know, hey, I learned this stuff from Jordan Maxwell, you know. Just give I it. always try to say I learned this from Mayle P. Hall or Stephen Heller or, or Dr. Gene Scott or some of these other people that I was studying under. I always try and show that I was learning, I was taught these things. And now that I understand them, I'm trying to teach others to open their minds. And so that's what I do. I try and remember to always honor the teacher. Right, right. So, um, so real much quick, hold on, hold on, Jimmy, hold on. Let me let me get in here because we just for the interest of time. Um, a couple of things before we get up out of here, and I really wanted to ask you about the Kabbalah uh, before because I think it's it's a and you can correct me if I'm wrong in all your research and everything that you've done, but I think it's something that that mirrors a lot of the things that you've been saying. It's getting a bad rap by a lot of people. I don't know how you feel about it per se, but is it one of these things that, that people get a bad, I mean, that people have given it a bad rap? It's, it's so, severely misunderstood in my opinion. Well, there is one esoteric presence in this world. There is an X, E, X, exoteric, and an E, S, esoteric. Right. E, X, or E, S. E, X means the stuff the people of the world know, all the people of the world know, anybody you talk to, they know all about everything. They know everything because they know, they, they know it all. That's exoteric knowledge. Esoteric, spell it E-S, esoteric means the hidden knowledge, the hidden stuff you don't know. And so there's a big difference between E-X and E-S. And so... Today, we have esoteric knowledge, and so there's an esoteric knowledge going on on the earth. Things that we don't know are being taught by great teachers who are teaching people to really understand the real truth that's going on. That's what I try and do. So I am an esoteric teacher. Well, the problem with that is that people are no longer going to understand and respect what you're doing. They're going to think that you're trying to undermine their religion, undermine them. No, I'm not trying to undermine anything. I have the highest respect for the idea of God. I don't have any problem with the idea of God. God is simply dog spelled backwards. I understand where the word God comes from. I understand what the scriptures are talking about. When they talk about spiritual things, that's esoteric knowledge. But there is one esoteric world of knowledge that's on the earth, and all ancient peoples tapped into it. And I think that the Jews tapped into the esoteric systems that were going on, and the Jewish understanding of the spiritual esoteric teachings is called Kabbalah. 
and I don't want anything to do with Kabbalah because they got so many things wrong. I want nothing to do with the Kabbalah. I don't have any respect for it at all because, because obviously whoever wrote the Kabbalah, whoever put those ideas down on paper, had, had an agenda. They wanted the people to believe a certain thing, and so it had an agenda. Well, I don't buy into that agenda. And so there are words and terms that are used in the Kabbalah, which would give us the basis for world communism, world Nazism, and point of fact, that's true, the Jewish religion gave us Nazism, communism, fascism, all of these isms and all these wartime isms and osms were all given to us by religions. And so you need to go back and watch what you're reading. Watch where the ideas are coming from. Because when you're reading Kabbalah, you're reading Jewish. Jewish thinking in relation to Gentile thinking on the earth is very different. You need to understand what the Kabbalah is actually saying because it's using terms which are used in the communist philosophy today and, and as it exists today in the world, and it was the basis for all the basic thinking of the Soviet Union when it was founded. They used terms right out of the Kabbalah for the Soviet Union. Mm. <clears throat> and you go, back to the, you go back to Germany, there's a connection, I'm telling you there's a connection between Nazi Germany and Judaism that you've never heard before. And it's a very, very startling uh, understanding when you find out for the first time and you begin to see it with your own eyes. When you look with spiritual eyes, you will begin to see a connection between Nazism and Judaism. And they, you both use the same symbols and emblems and words and terms. The Nazis and the Jews were sharing the same foundations. It was just that Hitler was using it against the Jews. But the symbol in Nazism was, of course, the swastika. Well, in Judaism, they will tell you that, that the name for God is so holy that you cannot use it. You should not use the name of God. And if you, as a Gentile, use the actual name of God, you're using God's name in vain meaning you're not supposed to use God's name, the Jewish God's name. Only Jews can use it, not you. And therefore, you're using it in vain. Well, what is the name of God in Hebrew? It's tetragrammaton. It's a word which is given to us instead of giving us the correct name of God. It's a term for that Jewish God. Is called tetragrammaton. Anyone who understands Judaism knows that. Tetragrammaton is tetra, meaning four, gram, G-R-A-M-M. Gram is a letter, like A, B, A, B, C, and D, and E. Those are letters. Gives us that word, grammar. So you have tetragrammaton. Tetra is four, gram is letter, and Aton, A-T-O-N, was the Egyptian sun god, the Aton. Go, go back to the encyclopedia, look up A-T-O-N. Uh, 
Aton was the sun god of Egypt. And so the Jews were worshiping the tetragram Aton, the four letters of the Egyptian god Aton. And what was the symbol of the ancient god Aton? It was a swastika. Go back and read in history. The Aton was represented in Egypt as a swastika. Well, that's what the Nazis used was a swastika. That's right. They were worshiping the Aton, the tetragram Aton. Boy, when you begin to see the connection between Nazism and Judaism, now you begin to see there's an in-house fighting, an in-house in the family, a fighting between the Atons, the founders of the Aton religion. And that's why today in Israel, if you go to Israel today, there are certain synagogues in Israel that show on the floor or on the walls in those synagogues in Israel big, huge red swastikas in the in the uh, in the <clears throat> the uh, the Jewish meeting, the Jewish synagogues are red swastikas. Go on the web and look up swastikas in Israel. And it will show you all the different swastikas in the Jewish synagogue. But the Jews don't tell you they got swastikas, which was used by the Nazis. But it's a Jewish aton, because the name of the Jewish God is the tetragram aton, tetragrammaton. And so there's a very interesting connection between Judaism and its worship of the aton and its use of the Aton symbol in the synagogues, which is a swastika, and the use of the Aton as the sun god for Germans. So I'm saying that there's a very definite connection that needs to be looked at. Needs really, if you're going to look at something, if you want to get into something that's really interesting and really going to enlighten you, you better look at the connection between Nazi Germany Adolf Hitler and the Nazis as a religious movement, which it was, it wasn't political, it was a cult, a religious cult. And look at the words and the terms and the symbols that the Nazis used. Listen to their words, listen to the terms, and look and look at their symbols, and then look at the Jewish religion, you'll see the same words, the same terms, the same symbols. There's a very big connection between Judaism and Nazism, period. That's what I am saying, and I can prove it. I also, that's, that's the right hand, that's the right way. Now, the left way, which is the Soviet communists, Soviet communism uses the same swastikas on their, on their money. Go back and look at it on the web. Go to Soviet communist money on the web, and you will see uh, all the bills of the Soviet Union, the communist money, always in the middle of the bill, always had a big red swastika. So the communists used a swastika, the tetragram aton. The, the German Nazis used a swastika, the aton. And the Jews in the synagogues in Israel today still use the aton, the big swastika. So there's a connection between communism, Nazism, and Judaism 
period. That's one of the reasons why I don't buy into the Jewish philosophy expressed in the, uh, the uh, what was it you asked me about before? The Kabbalah. Kabbalah. Kabbalah is filled with that kind of stuff. And if you, if you begin to do your homework, you will begin to see how the whole world is now locked into an understanding that they're, they're not based on facts at all. It's based on secret societies, secret teaching, powerful secret societies. We call them criminal organized crime, the mafia, La Cosa Nostra secret organizations that know things that you don't know and they're not supposed to tell you and you're never going to know they're just going to rip you off and leave you for dead and if you do know and you go out talking about it they're going to absolutely put you to death and so that's where we are today that the real truth is not known by the people of this world they don't know the connection between judaism communism nazism fascism or americanism and they don't realize that why we have an eagle. The America has a bald eagle as a symbol on the back of the dollar bill. The eagle only has two wings, a left wing and a right wing. So that's what we have, <laughs> a left wing and a right wing. Yeah. yeah. And so once you understand that the eagle has only two wings, but it has a brain in the middle that operates both wings, and so there's a brain in the middle that operates America. It's called the Illuminati. Right. Right. The Illuminati masters of the secret societies that operate, own and operate the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. It's just a party. And so once you understand the Democrats and the Republicans are owned, they're just owned by their masters who own them, who put up the money and decide all things for America is being decided by a secret society. And that secret society in America is called Jesuit, J-E-S-U-I-T, Jesuit. It's a Catholic military society, a secret society that has given us, has given to the world, Mafia, La Cosa Nostra, the five families, the mafia, and the organized crime, drug trafficking from South America, Mexico, Central America, the Medellin cartels, that's all Vatican, all Catholic, all organized crime in Central and South America, Mexico, is under the Vatican. This is why you have something called the Pope, and the Pope is called our Holy Father, the Holy Father. Why? Because he represents God. He's the original Godfather. Right. Get it? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Amazing stuff, Jordan. You're, you're that's why when fantastic you, that's as usual. Go ahead, sir. When you go and see the movie Godfather 3, mm -hmm. there were the three movies called the Godfather series. The Godfather 3 showed Michael Corleone uh, the, the head godfather in New York was sitting in the Vatican with the Pope doing business between him and the Pope. And therefore, the Pope is doing business with the godfather. Why? Because the Pope is the godfather in Rome. He is the Holy Father and he speaks for God. So he's a godfather, the head of all organized crime is the, T-H-E, the Godfather. 
Michael Corleone in New York was a godfather. The Pope is the godfather. That's why all the criminals and all the gangsters and mafiosis and murderers and gangsters and drug pushers, all of the organized criminals of the world, including the politicians, all of them must eventually, like in Islam, go to Mecca. They must go to Rome and crawl on their knees and get on their knees before the Pope and kiss his ring because he is the godfather and they know it. You just don't know it, but they know who the boss is. And they go to Rome and on their knees, the president bows down on his knees and kisses the ring of the Pope and the Pope is happy to let you kiss his ring. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, and, and while you're down there, you can kiss something else while you're down there. <laughs> I'll pass, but uh, if they want to do it, they can go ahead. Hey, Jordan, fantastic stuff. Tell everybody where they can find you one more time. JordanMaxwellShow.com Remember always to add the word show to my name because there's only one site out there that is mine, and I've had to change it because my other websites are gone. And so I changed my new website to JordanMaxwell.com show.com yeah. when you go on jordanmaxwellshow.com that's my website so don't ask me don't email me and say is jordan maxwell uh, show your website i'm telling you it's my <laughs> website you can see my ugly face and my voice and i'm telling you that is my website so go on the web to jordan maxwell show and that's my website. And on my website, you will see an advertisement, a little flyer that says to join my other research website. I have a research website that's different. It's called Jordan Maxwell Research Website. You have to join it. It's not free. It's a one-time small token donation to the website, one-time donation, small, for a lifetime subscription. One time only. It doesn't come every year, or every six months, or every month. No, just one time. It's a one-time subscription for all of my research, all of my stuff that I've been looking at over the years. I'm giving it all to my webman, and he has to put it all onto my research website. The reason I have a research website is because I have lawyer friends, people who are my friends who are lawyers and attorneys, and they tell me, Jordan, if you're going to put anything on your website that people are not supposed to know, that's going to really catch the attention of authorities if they find out you're telling people things they're not supposed to know, you better do it in secret. I'm giving you some legal advice. You better do it in secret. Why? Because they told me, if you go into a restaurant with 10 of your friends, you've got a big group together and you're all going to dinner, and you sit in the back of the restaurant, just your little group in the back of the restaurant, you can say anything you want in that restaurant, and you can say anything you want about anybody. You can call anybody any kind of name you want, curse them and call them anything you want. Why? Because it's a private conversation. Government is only empowered to protect 
the public. They don't give a damn about your private association. If you're, if you are a Ku Klux Klan member, they don't care what you're doing in your church. You can do and say anything you want, rant and rave and curse anybody you want. But if you go out in the public and start talking the same way you did in the church, that's different. Now you're talking to the public, and the government is empowered to protect the public. So that's why they'll throw you into jail and prison and take everything you got and teach you a lesson. You don't go out in public and say these things. But if you're talking to your own friends in the restaurant, that's private conversation. Nobody has any jurisdiction over your private conversation. As long as the people you're with don't mind you using those language, that language that that's perfectly all right because the government's not going to say anything. It's a private conversation. And so, therefore, I am told by my attorneys, if you're going to put stuff there that's going to really incite people to wake up and to find out what's really going on, you better do it in private. Put it into a private website and have people pay something, just some little small token something, to join that website. Now they can read your thing, they can read and hear the stuff you're talking about and show them all the documents and explain the stuff you want to. It's all in private because they're belonging to it because they want to belong to it. They're paying to open up the whole world of your research to them. And therefore, what you're putting out there for people to read and for people to learn from is going to be very, very incredibly powerful stuff where people start finding out what you have uncovered. And so that's why I have a separate website. Go on Jordan Maxwell Show, which is my website, and then join my research website, which is Jordan Maxwell Research. And you will pay a certain small little token to get a subscription for good. It's a one-time subscription, one-time payment. And now go to uh, one of the places you might want to go on my research first is to one division, one part of my research website is called Interesting Articles. You go on Interesting Articles and you will read stuff there that will blow your mind. Documents that you have never heard of before, didn't know anything about, about government, about religion, and about who you are and your freedom as a human being, what the government has said about you, you didn't know, you didn't know that the church said what they said, what the government has said about you in private, in private documents, you need to see some of the really off-the-wall strange stuff that you've never heard before. I've got it all on my research website under interesting articles. I've got lots of pictures and documents and white papers and research papers, but it's all on the private domain. So you have to join. So go on my website, Jordan Maxwell Show, and join my research website, and you will see things you've never seen before. And I have a lot of stuff on there, and i got a lot more coming. I've got over a terabyte, a thousand gigs more stuff coming. But there's only so much my, my webman can do. 
only so much my webmaster can do per day. Uh, he's got to live too. He has his own life, but he works daily, day in and day out on my website to put all the newest research, all the old stuff I've had over the years. I put it all on there for you to see it and read it yourself. So go on my website, Jordan Maxwell Show dot com and join my research website and you'll see stuff you've never seen before absolutely believe it 100 percent. jordan thank you so much for joining us here on the infinite fringe please hold on for just a second jimmy are you still there yes i am all right I am say goodbye here. man tell everybody where they can find you and say goodbye to jordan jordan it's been an absolute pleasure you are a gentleman and i think a scholar my friend and you know you have a, so much class jordan and uh, you, like you were saying earlier, you give everybody credit. Uh, you know, it didn't just come into your mind. And and uh, I just love you so much. And I just want to thank you for all you've done for all of us. People have made careers, uh, you know, off one of your lectures. So thank you so much, Jordan. Really Very much appreciate. appreciated, man. And uh, well, we thank should, you. Uh, thank you. We should go ahead and have you back to talk about the connections between. Uh, the Nazis and uh, and Judaism and the Jews. We, I'd love to. I'd love to have you go down that road for an entire episode at some point, Jordan? Oh, Maxwell. that's a whole story that nobody it. has been privy to know anything about. And we're going to get not it. supposed to know anything about that connection between Judaism and Nazism, but boy, it's there. We're going to get into it. And then when you find out why Hitler did what he did to the Jews, hmm. he didn't do it to all the Jews. One of the most important Jews in the. Oh, wow. Hold Look on. at that. He's there. He's there. He's there. Go ahead. Mr. Oh, Marshall. yeah. One of the most important single Jewish members of the, of the Nazi regime was the man who gave to Adolf Hitler the knowledge called Nazism. Because if you go to a dictionary and look up the word N-A-S-I, Nazi. N-A-S-I. It will tell you, the dictionary will tell you, N-A-S-I means a high priest and the Jewish high court. We have a Supreme Court, but we also have the chief justice of the Supreme Court. He's the highest judge on the Supreme Court. Well, in Israel today, they have a, they have a chief justice of their Supreme Court. But in Hebrew, the word is he is not the supreme judge. He is a Nazi, N-A-S-I. Look it up in the dictionary. And the same dictionary will tell you N-A-S-I is the Supreme Court judge in Israel, but a better Anglo-Saxon interpretation of that word is N-A-Z-I, Nazi. Was that That's what the encyclopedia says. N-A-Z-I is based on N-A-S-I. The S is one way. The Z is just the opposite. Mm. The Z is like a square S. And so you have an N-A-S-I and an N-A-Z-I. Was Hitler, wake up. Was Hitler you? You need to wake up and understand that certain things going on in this world. You've not been told. You're not being told what's really happening. Let's set it up. Let's set it up, Jordan. I'll have you on, and and we'll talk all about it. Let's get out of here right now. Jordan, thank you very much. Hold on, please, for just one second. Everybody on Infinite Fringe Land, we appreciate you. JG, we appreciate you. You can find JG over at Revolution Radio. Take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back, and we appreciate each and every one of you, all right? I know I've said that about a thousand times, but I want you to make sure 
that you know. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Maxwell. 